0: Well, welcome, everybody, to this, the latest episode of the HR Tech Chat video podcast. And with me today, I have a very, very interesting guest. And we have a super interesting topic, uh, the long tail of talent. Um, His name is James Galvin, and he is CEO and co-founder of Star Circle, which is a company based in Cork, Ireland. And it's later on a Friday for him than it is for me on the U.S. East Coast today. Welcome, James. Thanks very much, Brent. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for 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 joining us. Um, Before we get into our discussion today, um, could you possibly just introduce yourself to our viewers, uh, where you come from professionally, what what landed you uh, into what you do um, uh, and sort of what what was inspiration for for the founding of Star Circle and all that kind of stuff?
1: Sure thing. Uh, well, my name is James. I'm I'm uh, based here in Cork, in Ireland, and for the past sixteen years, I I've been working with with big tech and pharma companies to help overcome uh, hiring complexity and the hiring challenges uh, that 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 are related to that, uh, specifically from a standpoint of sourcing talent and tech-enabled sourcing solutions. So my original background, I, I was a tech guy. Um, I dabbled in many different areas of technology, Linux systems administration, security, software development, and and uh, was always a little bit adjacent to to the world of recruitment and 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 uh, and I started getting interested in the crossover where where technology is is helping uh, to to improve recruitment. And w- one of the things I would I would always say is that a little bit of tech goes a long way in in, in a world that hasn't actually. You know, certainly not when we started out back in 2006, 2007, had not actually been really uh, modernized that much by, by emerging technology. This is something that's, that's set to change uh, now and in the years ahead. I think everybody can feel that, but, uh, but that's what got me interested and, and, uh, and, and more interested than ever now and how things are unfolding.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it is an exciting time in talent acquisition. Things are things are happening. Uh, you know, we have sort of an emerging new talent acquisition calculus, um, uh, a suite for it, and a new sort of approach to it. Let's let's start with with Star Circle itself. Uh, maybe you could just share with us how how did you come up with the name for Star Circle, and and what's the what's the concept behind the company? What does the company do?
1: yeah it's an interesting question because i probably have to go back a little bit far to answer it i'll go back to to uh 2006 2007 when we when we started um originally we we were working um with our product was called vsource and uh, back then sourcing was very diff- different mm. um you know we'd take a client rec, you know you'd go onto job boards you'd find resumes submit them to the recruiter and get a thumbs up or a thumbs down it was it was very straightforward in many ways and and the skill was involved in the skill involves around finding the candidate, you know, using mm. Boolean strings, they were seen as some kind of arcane art. And, and uh, you know, back then the, the the name vSource, people used to ask even what, what, what vSource was about, why was it called that? And, you mm. know, some people would say, is it, is it virtual, speaking to the kind of tech uh, cloud-based nature, of what we were doing? Or is it, you know, is the V for Vietnam based on, you know, we had a large research team out there. Uh, and I used to say that actually V was represented the funnel. Uh, I presented the sourcing funnel because we were all about everything we did was about, about that funnel, you know, and, uh, and when we talk, we talk about funnel metrics all the time and the volume and the ratio between the different stages of the hiring funnel and everything, you know, our, our North star was really about, about getting, getting the more into the top of the funnel and the top stages of the funnel, getting things moving there. But over the years, you know, sourcing changed a lot. And, uh, it was no longer this simple transactional activity where you can just get a wreck and go out there. And um, when companies started to think more about, about the longer term needs of the organization and being being a bit more proactive, uh, and if you're dealing with challenging highly competitive markets, like we've seen for the past number of years where talent is, is really scarce, uh, you using the traditional approach, you burn through the talent pool very quickly mm-hmm. and you find yourself with, with, with nobody left out there to hire. Um, so, so we started to work with our clients on, on a slightly more dynamic approach to take, you know, to iterate beyond beyond that, um, take a broader perspective, uh, going beyond the original talent pool to see well where can we can where we can expand out to, um, mm. going beyond the job description, challenging a lot of the parameters that would be in there, finding where the bottlenecks are, and and our value proposition shifted a little bit. It was no longer just getting the candidates; it was about this this process of of uh, you know, drying up the talent pool that that's there based on your current viewpoint, and then figuring out how to go beyond that uh, to to unlock another broader talent pool. And this continuous process of going broader, but uh, but our clients didn't really didn't re- that that's what that's not where they saw us fitting in. You know, mm. the, we we were we were the kind of the data guys. We go out and we get the candidates, and and yeah. um, and so we did this kind of like in a covert manner. Um, <laughs> So this is why we we, we had to uh, rebrand, and um, and we
0: we kind of this is where Star Circle a, a emerged from. Okay, interesting, yeah. interesting. Okay, that that's very interesting. And I know we're going to talk about this. As viewers know, we we always have conversations with our guests before they're actually guests on the podcast, and we've we've had some very interesting conversations, James. And I know that we're going to get to you know how. How we can think about recruiting as sales and also not think about it as sales. Um, but but one of the things that strikes me there, what you what you described is you know is having that sort of that it's a there's the 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 analogy in sales or the 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 parallel in sales is you know having your leads your leads dry up. Right, you you don't want that to happen. You need just like you need new customer leads. You need uh, new candidate leads. You need to keep that pipeline stuffed. So maybe that's a good segue actually into what long tail. What is meant by the uh, the concept of a uh, long tail talent? um uh, What should hiring organizations do to get better at finding it?
1: Well, the traditional approach: you have your job wreck you go out there. Uh... Post it on the website, advertise in a job board, maybe get some referrals from your staff and, you know, plug in a search into LinkedIn and see what comes back. Uh, and, you know, there's a few things beyond that, but but uh, you, you'll quickly get the low hanging fruit. You'll quickly get, you know, 80 percent of, of the talent pool, perhaps in some cases uh, that that uh, that's easy to come by. Um mm-hmm part of the challenges that everybody else can find that too it's it's well represented you know your 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 profiles are full of keywords or you're actively looking or whatever it might be um and and what are you going to do with the other 20% uh, and how are you going to tap into that it's a much uh, very different process it's, it's it's a different approach these ultra passive candidates you know not only you have to search for them differently but you have to treat them differently you have to engage with them differently and uh, and and uh it, it really requires a different mindset and and uh a lot of the time uh you know people think it's just about finding you know I, I want i want to find candidates that aren't on linkedin you know they might very well be on linkedin they're just not showing up in your searches because they're not they're not stuffed with keywords uh or, the, or or they might be showing up in your searches and you're skipping over them for one reason or another so so that you know the, the we we've We've been helping companies to kind of take a step backwards a bit, and, and in every case, find, you know, so what, are the, what is it that you're uncovering? The candidates that that you're finding and able to engage with and able to entice through the process, uh, and and then where is the portion of, of the talent pool that that is not? Either they're not being found, they're not being engaged, or they're not participating in the process. So this this turns out to be kind of a a, a complex uh, situation where there's many different factors at play, uh, and and and. You know, we, we work with our clients to help explore that, uh, and mm. it could be something. You know, it could be your candidate experience. You know, candidates are falling through the cracks and they're not moving uh, in, into the interview process because you know they have to they have to fill out a big long form on the website, or it could be that the job description itself is is not optimal. And so there's mm. so so there's a much different process applied to to getting that that final twenty percent of the talent pool uh, than there would be in the initial low hanging fruit.
0: Yeah, interesting, interesting. You know, one of the things that struck me there is so first of all, you're absolutely right. You don't want to be finding the exact same people that everyone else is finding because then you're then the the competition is fierce and it may not even be the best people. Um I'm sure there are several good people in those pools, but 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 you know. Obviously many that aren't necessarily. so you want to find that sort of top talent we hear this term passive talent, um, which is I think is probably fits into this equation a bit, um, but for reaching those other people, one of the that twenty percent I think that you mentioned, one thing that you've said uh, that really that that made me think is you know you're going it well just just the totality of what you shared right there uh made me think you know this is this is almost thinking about, about talent acquisition in in, uh, in the opposite direction, in reverse, uh, which may not, which may actually be the proper direction to think about it, or or is there any one direction to think about talent acquisition or looking at it sort of holistically? We're we're talking about what you're describing is 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 um, is sort of consulting with with your customers to really help them focus on on the sourcing part of it first or or very very squarely on that as opposed to maybe some other pieces of the puzzle
1: yeah that's right it's it's um it's firstly kind of overcoming this idea that 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 recruitment is just an add-on to hr and sourcing is just an add-on tacked on to recruitment and it's a low value feeder for the recruitment team so so i think we're well beyond that now sourcing is not this function that just feeds into recruitment teams and and you see at uh a, a lot of tech companies in the U.S., for example, where the sources are, you know, really senior people or very tech savvy data analysts, almost. And it's something we're not seeing in Europe uh, uh, to the same extent. But I think it'll come. Uh, it'll come around. Uh, and and what is the value that sourcing brings, and what are what are the byproducts of the sourcing process? Well, there's, you know, you, you, what you're doing is you're you're developing an understanding of the market, uh, the hireability, the, the compensation, the availability of skills that are out there. All these things that that are really critical and valuable uh if they were integrated then into your workforce planning and into your hiring strategy and we've worked with companies we've seen it so many times over the years where you know a corp the entire corporate strategy will get a green light over uh with with massive assumptions being made in relation to their ability to hire uh uh, and execute a, a particular hiring plan which is almost like an afterthought we just we just take for granted that we're going to be able to get all of those people in the mm. areas that, w- that we expect. Uh, and and what happens is that talent acquisition gets handed a bunch of recs that they've then got to go and fill. And they didn't have any say in it. And they hand that over to the sources and you're told, you know, go out and get a bunch of uh, a bunch of people. But uh, you know, a better approach is is to integrate these two processes. This, this is the fact you mentioned about about the Star Circle name. Well, but well, Star mm. Circle name um, and the circle in fact came Came from the idea of this feedback loop between uh, mm. between workforce planning, strategic HR, and and sourcing because they're they're continuously integrated around maybe before your job descriptions go live, before you've created uh, the rec that you want to hire for, um, you you must at least in part probe the talent pool, see what's out there, what skills are available, uh, and the more the more you can do this, the better you can get at it. It'll change the shape of your organization over time, and 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 you will take into account. Trends in the market, you know, new skills that are emerging, uh, skills and job titles that are kind of dying out, and uh, and and you'll you'll be a couple of steps ahead of that because because you'll have the market intelligence fueling your your workforce planning, and then and and then uh, your your performance information coming back into uh, to inform your sourcing strategy. So it becomes this this constant loop between between sourcing and, and HR
0: yeah yeah it's, it's absolutely fascinating and uh one thing that i'm kind of hearing you say is that you know or i'm inferring i guess is that sourcing isn't is isn't transactional it's a much bigger thing than that um and also that that uh that, that, that there's really a new talent acquisition process emerging uh you know and just If I may pontificate for a moment here um, from my perch here, you know, honestly, the technology for talent acquisition has sort of limited or been a limiting factor on how we can kind of approach talent acquisition for a long time because it was developed in terms of uh, sort of this siloed approach. So there was... There were sourcing solutions. I by the way, i I recall those bad old days where, you know the the lost art of boolean logic, you know, and you and, and there there were trainers, you know, 15, 20 years ago who who were, you know that was their whole thing was showing people how to be as adept at that proficient as that as possible to find to source the right candidates. and we're well beyond that. Um, but you know we have we've had this sort of we had this sort of very sort of, Uh, very clean buckets in talent acquisition, you have your ATS, you have, um, you know, your, maybe your onboarding technology, you have your, you know, you have that, maybe that uh, in uh, outbound recruiting uh, module or whatever, and, and whatnot. And it's kind of just been a limiting factor, but we're kind of, we're moving away from that uh, absolutely, and um, but let's let's uh, all all roads lead to AI these days, right? Especially in talent acquisition, you can't talk about talent acquisition with AI. We see a lot of AI uh, predicated solutions out there, um, and and there's definitely a place for AI in this space. But but where do where do a lot of these solutions kind of get it wrong? because we we talked about that, and I really want our viewers to to kind of hear this piece of it because it's absolutely um, um, essential.
1: Yeah, well, like yourself, I'm I'm very excited by the developments that AI are bringing and and the things that we we can do now and we'll be able to do more of in the future. They definitely add a lot, but um, but I'm also concerned by, you know, the 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 understanding that's there and and the lack of understanding around how AI is going to fit in the talent acquisition. Um, and one thing's for sure, is it's not going to do your work for you and. Anybody mm-hmm. who's used ChatGPT, for example, knows how fantastic it can be, uh, how useful it can be. It's, it's really great in certain use cases, but a huge part of the value that you get from ChatGPT, for example, is, is provided by the person who's sitting there doing the prompting, tweaking the prompt, you know, typing the same message 15 different ways to, to get the result that, that they want from ChatGPT. So there's a lot of work uh, by by the expert, by the human uh, um, uh, to 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 manage these processes and and uh, an AI is not a silver bullet uh, that that companies can sit back and rely on it's it's still going to need that expertise uh, so the real secret sauce I think is understanding where the human expertise and where the AI can can splice together and intertwine to for the best results um, so so one of the problems around searching and sourcing for candidates is that AI still well as you would expect, it, it gives you what you ask it for. Um, mm. So if you're going and asking, you know, I want, I want this, you've got very specific job title, job requirements, job rank, Um, it'll give you back results that that meet that. And uh, and if if you want something different, you're going to have to ask it for something different. So you so you're back at square one where where uh, you're you're continuously tweaking and 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 adapting your prompt and. And that's the only way to do it correctly. Because if if it give, if it starts giving you results that don't match uh, your, your 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 question, then you're going to tell it that it's it's broken. Um, but if yeah. you give it, you know, if it's giving you back results that do ask, uh, that do fit what you're asking, then it's done what it's supposed to do. But it, it hasn't provided value beyond that low-hanging mm. fruit we talked about earlier. It's not tapping into the long tail. It's not it's not finding candidates that are a little bit outside bullseye and a lot of the systems now the the ai hiring tools are heavily dependent on the keywords that you put in and and people that that don't explicitly display those keywords you know in their profiles um, and we're talking about passive candidates in particular and um, mm-hmm. active candidates who have a full resume no problem uh, but if you're talking about passive candidates who who don't stuff their profile or on linkedin or who, who, yeah. who are maybe even on a different website where where, where where they haven't listed all their skills they just they just won't show up and uh, and 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 the AI can only do so much.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that's so important. You, you're really hitting on something. That, that we have sort of our archetype of of uh as a hire. I'm using the royal we. You know, as a hiring organization, you have your archetype of who you think is the is the 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 great fit for this new open role and space is often sort of uh uh based on based on an incumbent or maybe someone who just left right and and that's understandable that you would that that a hiring organization would think that way but 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 it is limiting in terms of in terms of how the organization might develop in the future and it's and it's in in there's sort of there's a humility in being the hiring organization in terms of saying okay I don't know. Maybe I don't know who the next person I need is to fill this role. Maybe do I need this role? Maybe do that's absolutely correct. You may very well, but maybe I need some other role that I don't know about yet. Now we're getting a little bit outside of the scope of this conversation, but at the same time, it's just this idea that that, and I think that's actually a little bit. I don't know if I'm using the word ironic correctly here, but let's just say it right. You know, because there by exercising some humility in the use of ai we're actually it's not it's you're actually helping to increase the potential um the potential uh um, uh, impact positive impact of the of the ai and that that's a lot of things that those ai solutions they just kind of take they take in and learn what the using organization is telling them and the using organization that that's that's man that's a huge false postulate just to to assume that the hiring organization using the ai has a good handle on what they need
1: that's right yeah and we've seen this before as well with with some ai um and uh high profile cases whereby the 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 ai and hiring had exacerbated biases that already existed in the organization Um, i mean a lot of people say you know ai and um you know kind of more data driven um talent acquisition is a really good thing and and it is great to have you know the objective uh, metrics and the data driven approach but, but one of the things with ai and machine learning is 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 if you don't know you know a lot of the time it's kind of a bit of a black, black box and you don't know what it's making decisions on and it it can it can pose a, a danger uh, and and definitely uh, replicate uh, some biases that might might be existing in the organization and yeah. uh, you know, the idea of of I mean particularly we we, we see a lot of companies who where, whereby diversity uh is high on the agenda and they're looking to get people, you know, from different backgrounds in, but but um, as you mentioned, they're working off job descriptions that have been copy pasted for the last ten years. Uh and and um mm. it, it it doesn't really add up um if if you're you you say you're out to to hire people that are different but but your entire recruitment process is is geared towards hiring people that that match your particular uh, archetype so uh so so the the solution is is uh is to, is to go broader um, is to um reduce maybe the the certainty and 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 uh expand your search as much as you reasonably can now if you're if you're hiring you know, in 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 certain environments, in in lab or medical device or something like that, you 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 need certain qualifications absolutely, but um, you really have to challenge yourself and, and see where certain parameters can be relaxed, where we can take a uh, a broader approach. And you know, I, I see programs like these extended internship programs that that might last for for a year or or, or uh, uh, where you can really give. Uh, Passive candidates uh, a chance, even if they don't tick all the boxes up front, but but they but they may have the ability to perform in the role, or the role itself might might evolve or might tweak slightly. So the first step anyway is always to start with a good understanding of what's out there in the market, um, mm-hmm. and and continuously uh, validate and and refresh the the job descriptions that that you're working on.
0: Yeah, well, I think you bring up, and this is something that we wanted to talk a little bit about, but you bring up a a, a point that this is you know a lot of the solutions out there they and, and rightly so um, or no they, or you know they' they're responding to a, to a demand. Uh, they have sort of they'll they'll guarantee a certain percentage of uh, diverse candidates, which is you know that's good. It's a good thing but 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 really getting to those diverse candidates, I think it's that's sort of a more of a mechanical way of of looking at it sort of just kind of like going like a, going through the motions again not that it's that not that it isn't a good thing to to do that but at the same time to really get those diverse candidates this is like you said you really need to sort of rethink what you're looking for at the very outset You're and you're going to more i'd say more organically and, and naturally um authentically uh reach those those diverse candidates that you're going to engage to uh, to bring into to bring into the uh, into the fold. Um, I want to get to something here around hiring friction, um, because we you talk a lot about hiring friction. Uh, we've had some conversations around that. What is it? How much of it should we eliminate? How much should we retain? Uh, what is the goal here uh, with with hiring friction? Uh, am I even right uh, asking the right questions here?
1: Yeah, I think so. Well, when when you know, as I mentioned, when we were uh, realizing that sourcing is not this, we're not going to be successful if, if if the clients expecting us just to come back with lists of candidates to fill a rec where 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 there's other factors that are that are going to prevent them from being able to to tap into the long tail of talent and hire candidates that are outside their field of vision. So we started to explore, well, what are all those other factors? that are going to affect and influence your ability to be successful in hiring and uh, and, and we work with some fantastic analysts over the last 18 months uh, to develop uh, this this model for, for what we call hiring friction and and uh, w- what this is it's it's a measure of recruitment capability effectiveness so it's it's a measure of how uh, how how good your recruitment function is uh, in, in many ways and uh, it it takes into account 12 different components so this is starting from from something like your your demand alignment uh, Mm -hmm. how well aligned your recruitment team is with with uh, the business and the the long-term needs of the organization through things like talent market understanding how well you understand actually what what's out there in the market you know the compensation the skills and 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 your position in the market your your employer brand and and how much how much uh uh, clout and, and and ability you you have to actually get the attention of passive talent that are out there all the way through things like um, you know your candidate experience your technology enablement and mm. um and and the availability of data and the data integrity every single one of these things affects your your ability to hire um and and if we think about sourcing in in the context of just you know here's my rec give me a list of candidates it's you, you're you're going to hit a brick wall very quickly um mm. but if we start seeing it as as a web of integrated components that, that can be gradually improved and developed over a longer period of time, um,
0: then then it's a game changer. Yeah, yeah. So if you have too much friction in your hiring process, and obviously your it's your talent acquisition process, right? It, you're that's going to dissuade, or that that's going to that's it's. Let me put it this way: it's it's challenging enough to find and engage that long tail talent. Um, and to get them because they're not necessarily maybe they're looking but they're not necessarily right to get them engaged in maybe sort of moving it's like getting a like a like a shy cat to come to you right (laughs) yeah anything happens um, they're going to be you know shooting off there there's going to be you know you know abandonment um, of the process um, candidate abandonment and so to to get rid of that that, uh that that friction uh you're 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 maximizing the potential for those folks to actually stay in the fold to remain in the fold so that you can actually tap them uh for when you need them um, and bring them into the process yeah oh absolutely it's a huge huge deal um we alluded to this earlier and I want to get back to it here obviously there's a and I think ultimately this is a from my perspective or from where i sit it seems like a good thing um there's more and more of a sales mindset being uh being applied to talent acquisition and 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 it seems to me to be a good thing because um because there's a lot more sort of um uh, uh there's more there's more uh, it's it's, it's it's a word. It's a more. It's a more solid process in sales. Like they're really paying attention to. Okay, who are the leads? All right, where are they in the process? Is it warm lead? Is it cold lead? You know, is it lead generation? All this kind of stuff. Like they're they're really focused on that, and that's good because they would get. It's it's a it's a, sort of a precursor to getting better results. Um, and and I think that talent acquisition can benefit from that sort of attitude, but at the same time we talked about this and it's really important, you know, why is it deeply flawed to think of talent acquisition as a sales funnel?
1: Yeah. 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 Well, you're dead right that there's, I mean, when we saw the sales and marketing language creeping into talent acquisition, I mean, well, even the, even the term talent acquisition itself only really emerged over the last 10 years and just came everywhere. Um, it, it, it was a really good thing. Um, there's a lot of great stuff that came out and you think about the long-term uh, a little bit more uh, in in certain ways around your uh, your your forecasting and and your metrics and uh, and all of that, but but there's a lot of of issues. I mean, firstly, the, the concept of the funnel itself. You know, I, 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 as you mentioned, that it, it, it points to a linear process, which is which mm-hmm. is really no longer the case. And sales and marketing have realized this now in recent years. I mean, HubSpot HubSpot killed off their funnel. And they say they they explicitly say this as well. That it's it's a flywheel now, and they they only speak mm-hmm. about their flywheel. And if you talk about the funnel there, then no 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 no. We we talk about the flywheel now, which which mm-hmm. is uh, which is far better and uh, and and represents it a lot more. Because you know you're you're selling not just to, to to cold prospects out there in the market, but you're selling to to you're upselling with your customers, and you're you're getting former customers back into the fold, and and there's this continuous life cycle. Uh, and And when recruitment, we're seeing the same things. it's it's not just you know uh, an endless profile, uh, an endless uh, parade of of kind of uh, strangers coming through here. but but we've got uh, alumni, we've got referrals, we've got people who who we engaged with in the past that might not be a fit right now, but might be a fit in the future and um and we've got our employer brand to consider and all these kinds of things. so so in in many ways, uh, Uh, there's great benefits to a sales and marketing mindset, but there's also risks. And one of the risks being that linearity of the sales process that that we often see. Mm -hmm. But second one too is, is the way that you incentivize and manage your recruitment team um, and your sources. If if you have a sourcing team, Um, my experience is that they tend to be uh, geared towards hiring quota, quota of placements. And you often see kind of an overload by design. Is that you know we'll see mm. okay how much can kind of recruiter possibly handle, and let's just dump that on 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 and that's how many recruiters we're going to hire. You know, yeah. um. So so if you're overloaded and chasing a quota and chasing placements all the time, as you would expect from an account exec, uh, you, you're 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 not going to be able to do a lot of the things that are maybe a little bit further away from the money, uh, in, in terms of placements, uh, mm. and and that that includes. Speaking to those candidates that that could be fantastic, but they don't tick all the boxes. Um, yeah. So so when you think about diverse candidates, candidates from a slightly slightly different background who who don't look exactly like like the archetype we talked about earlier, are they worth a phone call or not? Well, if you have a bit of room to breathe, and if you if you've got time to have conversations with prospects and learn a little bit and delve about into other alternatives for filling this requirement, then you might have that conversation. But if you if you're chasing a quota and you're back to back, then then you're going to overlook those those people who are just outside the bullseye, mm-hmm. um, and and so there needs to be something in your organization that's that's dedicated to that more exploratory function that uh, that that's not tied to this reactive quota that's always going to keep them uh, in this hamster wheel. And uh, in my opinion, this is what sourcing is. And and in in the era now of information overload. Uh, the sourcer is the one at the coalface uh, mm-hmm. in a position potentially to reconcile the long-term needs of the business with the, with the reality of the talent pool. It's no longer just about, about getting resumes, but it's about exploring, continuously building up that Intel, continuously building up the pipelines and, and that, 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 that community. And and then, and then using all that Intel, feed it back into HR uh, as a business partner.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think you put it really well there. It's just... Uh, that relationship building there's relationship building in sales too but 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 it's a much bigger piece of it in in recruiting and you got to give your you got to give your uh, your your sourcers the uh, a wide enough berth so that they can actually engage in that re- in that relationship building without worrying about whether they're producing a um, uh, a a lead uh, potential candidate um, into the system uh, because it's understood that they're they're doing a little bit more than that something deeper. Um, cool. This is just I'm looking at the time. Um, this this is just time go, flies by when we're having a good conversation <laughs> talking about interesting things. I mean this has just been absolutely phenomenal, James. Um, thank you so much for. For being a uh, a guest of ours here, uh, this is really important stuff. Anybody who's involved in talent acquisition, um, uh, you're out there. Make sure that you're thinking about this in a different way. There are new ways to think about it, and you can be much more strategic and uh, and effective and and achieve the results you want. Thank you so much, James. Thanks very much, Brent. Absolutely. Take care.